Spartans! What is your profession? Welcome to Wolverine Nation. I say what I mean, I mean what I say, and I say what needs to be said. Global leader in military combatives. 45 martial arts world titles. Renowned actor, writer, and a malicious warrior with brutally honest opinions. This may step on some people's toes. If it does, then you're a special kind of stupid. (laughs) (laughs) This is America's Sheepdog. Kicking it with the Wolverine. Well, hello, everyone. Here we are with the Legend Show. Uh, this is Wolverine, and it's my honor to introduce to you the host and the owner of the Sport Karate History Museum, Professor Gary Lee. Professor, are you there, sir? Aloha, Wolverine. How the See heck you. are you, guy? Oh, I'm doing great, doing great, sir. Just uh, putting in work. We got a lot of stuff we're doing here, so it, we I've stayed busy. Uh, running today has been uh, crazy. So, um, but I've been looking forward to the show because we got Mister Minshew on the show tonight. So that's I mean, we we just came. Things just keep getting better. Well, the Wolverine Nation is kicking butt across the world, and it's all of, it's all because of you, Wolverine. I mean, the Wolverine Nation is growing, and you know what? Like you said, to have the icons, the heroes, the pioneers that we're doing on this show is really amazing. So I would like to introduce our special guest tonight, the Texas icon, Mr. George Minshew. George is simply amazing guy, now 80 years young. He lives on a beautiful boat, home with his incredible world champion wife, my ex-teammate, Mrs. Chris Minchu. You know, we were on the first NBL Texas team, which, by the way, George coached and formed the team of Danielle Dixon, Tony Lopez, Jennifer Robles, Chris Minchu, and some Hawaii guy named Gary Lee. We tore up the national circuit in the 90s, every state we entered. A little taste of Texas, and it was a lot because of George Minshew, wherever we fought. George was also one of the, well, George was one of the founding fathers of the Texas AOK. The AOK was, and still, is the largest sport karate association in Texas. The legacy lives on. First, he was a great fighter in the 60s. You know, rumor has it, <laughs> he had to wear a red glove on his right hand because his backhand was so fast the judges couldn't see it strike. Now they could. George was an amazing coach. He not only coached us, because world champion Gato Tabaras, world champion George Lightning Sorrell, world champion Linda Dinley, national champion Gary Lee, and his daughters were also terrorists of the circuit. 
especially little national champion Stoney, who's grown up now, and a wife and a mother. George is Chris's daughter. She was really a joy to watch grow up, and I watched her. George was also a superb businessman, not only helping so many in the business of Karate Studios, but mainly for the small empire he built in Houston, Texas. He is accredited for opening Black Belt Academies, created the first karate television. Well, I'm sorry. He corrected me. It was the second. Master Junior did the first national television commercial. He was the second. Throw in his amazing broadcasting career, which, by the way, he taught me, where he helped commentary on major karate productions across America on the famous ESPN network. George was also a major producer. He created one of the first sport karate major tournaments in America, part of the Big Six. Everybody had to be there. And anybody who wanted that gold ring would show celebrities, super fighters, teams of all nationalities. Oh, yeah. Just a reminder. George and his production of the Karate Olympics made a couple of records, too. He was the first producer to give away a gold ring for grand championships. And later on, in all those places, two, the Karate Olympics was one of the largest events in Texas. Attendants were in the thousands. <laughs> karate events, it was staggering, ladies and gentlemen. He is now a major influence on the Spark Karate Museum in Sugarland, Texas. And in the core group of Set VR, with icon Mike Dillard of Blavo Magazine and Century Martial Arts Supply. Judge Roddy Kerman is in that core group. He was the man that credited a two-point kick for America. Chris Minshew, world champion point fighter. Mike Stone, first American superstar of sport karate matches. By the way, he won 93 matches in a row. That's one of the reasons why he is a superstar. George is an amazing martial artist, producer, media specialist, coach, father, instructor, and personal mentor and trusted friend. Every year, he is there showing his Texas attitude, hospitality, at the Legends. And this year, he will be speaking both nights, October 6th and 7th in Houston. One sharing his amazing entrepreneur story. And then Saturday night, he'll be talking about how he used to, well, how he does teach the ladies of Spokati in his life. George Minshew. Texas Pioneer.
and I come. My instructor, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. George Minshew. George, you there, sir? Wow. After that, I better be here, huh? Yeah, you bet, buddy. You know what, sir? It's an honor to be able to tell people about who you are and what you've done. And i got to start. What year did you make Black Belt, sir? Can you remember that far back? Well, Gary, I can recall uh, things uh, uh, a little bit at a time. You know, as as we grow in our wisdom and our years, some things start to slip away from us. But uh, uh, I made Black Belt in 1967. Wow. That's two years before I did. Well, you know what? Being a Black Belt in the day that you were a Black Belt, i got to ask you because you know, I heard it was a rumor. Can you confirm that you used to wear a red glove because you were so fast with that backhand? <laughs> is that true? Uh, yeah. Well, yes, it is true. Um, oh wow! <laughs> I had, I had, I had been a black belt for several months, and as a brown belt, I was fortunate enough to to win a lot more than I lost, and. But when I made black belt, I just couldn't seem to to get things to happen. And uh, we were at a tournament. Uh, I believe it was in uh, Amarillo or Lubbock or somewhere up in North Texas. And uh, we were just sitting around, and and I, you know, I thought, why can't I score with this? I mean, I know I know that I'm scoring, but. The judges have to know, you know, I, I can call it all day long, but they're not going to, if they don't call it, it doesn't count. So I I left the tournament, went downtown to a women's store and bought a pair of women's red gloves that they would, maybe they would put on for some special occasion and, and came back and taped it on my right hand. And uh, so when I... <laughs> When I entered the ring, the referee says, what is that? Pointing to my the glove on my hand. And I said, <laughs> and I made sure that all the other judges would hear too. I said, it's to help the judges see my back fist when I hit this guy in the face. <laughs> lo and behold, uh, you know, I won that match. I won two more matches. And from that point forward, literally from that point forward, I was always in what we call the magic circle, meaning in the final four. Wow. Always. Well, you, know a, you, also changed, you also changed, a rumor had it that you changed the face of kata because you invented the Suzuki kata. Explain that to me, Mr. George. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, that's a funny story. Um, a friend of mine who who has passed away now, Gene LaBelle in California, uh, is a, was at that time he did uh, motorcycle stunts in the movies. And so when the movie, uh, Chuck Norris movie Sidekicks was filmed in Houston, and I was fortunate enough to be part of it. And yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, you were too. Yeah, as a matter of fact, and and Chris as well, and 
So when there was a break in the action on the big stage, they had three huge, big movie cameras there. It was a, it was a big production, and but there was they were on a break, and so uh, Bob Wall was there, and Bob had seen me do this. I, I made up this this kata, uh, so it looks like. Uh, if you know what I'm doing, it looks like I'm riding a motorcycle, stepping on the motorcycle and, and cranking it with my foot and stomping down and uh, all that. And it, it was quite fun to do. And just I had fun with it in real competition. And and um, so I, we decided we would film it and uh, change the name of it from, I used to call it Suzuki 1, but I changed it to Kawasaki because that's what Gene was writing. Either that or I have that backward. I, I, I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, so we filmed this, this thing on stage uh, using all of the technical abilities of the movie Sidekick. And uh, I dedicated it uh, to my friend. And I said, and what I said was, I dedicate this to my friend, Tinkerbell. And uh, so <laughs> when, when they when they saw it, Bob took a copy of it back over to back to California. And when he showed it in in uh, in Gene LaBelle's studio, his students went, according to what I was told, his students just went crazy. They were so enraged that I would dare call their grand instructor, Gene LaBelle, I would dare call him Tinkerbell. <laughs> and so, I had to be on. I had to be on the guard when I went to California. Well, at, at Bob's Rose, Gene gave me one of his pink geese. I'll never forget that. And uh, rest in peace, Gene. But I got to ask yeah. you an important question, George. You changed the empire of karate studios and helped build studios. You helped build the Black Belt Academy, one of the most powerful empires in Texas. Where'd that vision come from where you created the financial help you did for so many studios? I know that well, Red Room was part of it and Mr. Steve. Uh, tell me how I came about. Tell my listeners, please. Well, uh, you know, in, in back in the beginning of the Stone Age of, of karate, we were not on we were not on the leading edge we were on the bleeding edge. Most people were teaching karate, you know, well, first of all, there were the, the, the dimensions of martial arts have changed so much. And in the United States at that time, probably if you combined everybody doing judo and karate and taekwondo and kung fu or whatever else they could find to study, there probably weren't 30,000 people in this entire country doing anything like that. Now there are over 13 million people doing martial arts so uh, that's that's the progress that we've made since the very beginning but back in those days most people were t were just learning things from somebody they met that knew something that they didn't know uh, and they would learn it they would uh, teach it in the, their garage to a few guys and then those guys would go to another place and that's how that's how it was going but my vision then was this will never be successful if we don't make it more professional so i took uh you know i took a leap of faith now it wouldn't sound like it but at that time uh to to rent a storefront space 
in in a, a very busy uh, strip center was unheard of. I mean, there were around the country that were doing it, but very very few. And uh, uh, my goal was to to make this a a profession like other uh, uh, service oriented businesses like. Uh, dancing or health clubs or things that that the, their product was mostly the 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 sizzle and not the steak. Yes, sir. So that's how it started. You know what, George? I almost say you changed my life. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have met my beautiful wife, Tammy. I wouldn't have my yeah. incredible son, Garrett. And I lived in a in your karate school, the Belair Butler Academy, for a couple of years, and what I learned from you was not only how to teach karate, but be able to sell karate. And I thank you so that so very much. And I want to ask you one more question that deals with schools. When you created that first or that second television commercial you did for for the Belair Academy that you're teaching at, how much did it affect the public of Houston? Did it overwhelm you? Did you get a lot of calls? It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, there was a, 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 a television series that, that that had come out or was about to come out called uh, Kung Fu, and uh, was uh, Carradine was the 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 lead actor and so um we decided that let's make let's make a tv commercial because people that that watch that most of them will be involved in the martial arts and they may have friends that are not involved in the martial arts and and so that might be a way for us to reach them so we bought what, what for us was a very expensive uh 30 second spot on the the first the premiere show of the series Kung Fu. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of place those things ahead of time. And, and uh, so we, we made the commercial and, and bought the ad time and all of that. And uh, at that time, I had four schools in Houston. And um, I was at one of our schools on the on the north side of Houston. But we didn't put all the different school numbers because I knew that would be too confusing. So we put one number, uh, and that way people would know that number to call and all would be well. Well, at, at the school I was at, that wasn't where the number that we put. And so uh, I was, I had just finished class and the phone rang and I talked to this guy and he was interested in taking it. And I said, well, let me ask you a question we have schools that are closer to you. Why would you call this school, which is on the way on the north side of Houston? And he said, I've been trying to call that, that number over there all night. It's just been busy, busy, busy. And I went, oh, my God. So I said, I had taken his name and number. I said, someone will call you back and give you all the information you're going to need. Bye. Click. And I jumped in my car and raced to over the, 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 Bel, the school we call the Bel Air School. It was in the, the city of Bel Air. And I go into the school, and, and the guy that's managing that school, he's sitting in his chair with his feet up on the desk and talking on the phone. So I go in, and I said, hang up the phone. And he, and he co covers it up, and he says, I'm talking to someone that's, that's 
interested in taking karate. I said, I know that. <laughs> you have to hang up the phone. <laughs> so <laughs> I made him hang up the phone, and it, as soon as it touched down, it rang again. And so I picked up the phone, and I said, Black Belt Academy. And the guy says, I'm on task. I said, yes, sir. But let me have your name and your phone number, and I have one of our instructors call you back. Thank you very much. Click, ring, click, ring all night. The next morning when when we all recovered uh, and we had a meeting of the different managers and, and uh, head instructors, we had over 250 people to call back. Wow. 250 people had called from that one 30-second ad. And who knows how many we didn't get because they couldn't get through. Well, you know, George, uh, and that's, I've got that's what the, kicked uh, it off. I've got the, one of the people on the voices is now the president of the AOK. Now I want to talk about that. The vision that you had in 1978 or 77 or whatever, you had the vision. <laughs> what? How did AOK come about? What was the idea behind the organization of karate, the, now the largest well, sport organization in Texas? Yeah. Uh, and even more than Texas, it's it's it covers yes. it covers the biggest well, biggest uh, state in the country. Helping so many other organizations that evolved from the AOK. So tell me well, how here's what happened. We, when you would go to a karate tournament in those days, uh, there was a black belt meeting, they called it. And so all the black belts were supposed to gather before the tournament started and learn what the rules were going to be at that tournament for that day. And they, they, were, they were whatever that, that tournament promoter decided he wanted the rules to be. And... Uh, so uh, a friend of mine who is who is uh, now lives in, in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, Fred Wren, was at this particular meeting, and uh, somebody said, "Well, wh- what are the rules?" And Fred, <laughs> and Fred stood up and he and he punched the guy next to him, and he said, "The rules are this: last man standing wins." And so, I mean, and essentially that's what the rules were at that time because there were no written rules. So we had to get some kind of organization started to organize rules and, and, and things like that. So we had a meeting here in Houston at the hotel downtown that I was able to secure that had a, uh, almost like a round table. It had kind of a horseshoe shaped table. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to, a podium and seats. I wanted everybody to be on equal footing there, regardless of what they, you know, where they were. So I didn't, I invited all the people I knew that were doing tournaments, whether they were friends of mine or not friends of mine or whatever. I invited everyone to that meeting. And at that meeting, uh, we were talking about, well, let's have rules. And we started writing down certain things that everybody kind of knew and understood and agreed on. And, um, uh, I said, well, we have to have a, some kind of name for this organization. And um, different names were being thrown around. And at that time, there was the AOK was a well-known phrase from uh, John Glenn, the astronaut, because someone said to him while he was in orbit, how are you? And and John Glenn said, I'm AOK, meaning all was well. So that's that's how that I worked that phrase in. I said, 
we can be the AOK and the amateur organization of karate is what it became. And, and it, it is what it is now. It's got been 50 years or however long it's been. Well, Mr. Mr. I got Okay, George. Mr. Well, I can Mr. Mr. because I've said it for so many years. But, George, you've been a part of the Fort Karate Museum from the very beginning. You're one of the original history generals, the mentors of what we do. Tell my audience how you feel about the history and what the museum has done, sir. Oh, my God, Gary. What you do is so necessary and so valuable and so uh, informative because uh, so many people come along and they make black belt and then all of a sudden, you know, two or three years go by and they've been a black belt and, and they now they think they invented the black belt and the karate. And so... <laughs> To, to have a place where people can can go to the website and see the real true history of people uh who have who made this happen and uh I was so so fortunate to be able to have been part of that part of the thing and 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 it's just a matter of, of being born at the right place and the right time. Because all of the, everybody, everybody who was kind of getting started and everything was pretty close to the same age, with the exception of, of Bobby Trias, who who was the, the father of karate in this country. He brought it back in the 40, I think 47 or 48, I, I don't remember exactly, uh, and opened a karate school. I think 46. Uh, and opened a karate school, and and there wasn't one. Uh, there, the, he just he just made it happen, and he, he laid the the foundation for for all of it really. And uh, I often I often refer to that to my place in all of that is I just had I just had the opportunity to walk with giants. Uh, Robert Trias, Ed Parker, June Ree, Pat Burleson, Alan Steen. Uh, and I wish I hadn't started this because I'm going to leave somebody out, so I'm going to stop. But I mean, yeah. I I knew all of those guys, and 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 they all knew me, and well, uh, just my life has been fortunate in that way. It's hard to say everybody's name because it's, you know you know these people. They're not acquaintances. They're personal friends that watch yeah. you become who you became and. You are a Texas icon, George, and I I love saying that to you. So don't go anywhere, please. I'm going to bring you back. At the end of the show, we're going to play the Legends Name Game, and we're going to do a couple segments. I think you're going to enjoy it. And <clears throat> so at this time, I'd like to talk to take back over to the Wolverine to introduce someone very special. Okay? Wolverine? Yes, sir. That was a, a great start to the interview. Amazing. Yeah, it, it is. So you want me to interview? Oh, you want me to Tom? Or uh, no, well, we got to go through the, uh, we got to start the voices now. So we'll have. Uh, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's time for the voices, and then we'll have the three voices, then we'll okay. have a little commercial break. Yep. 
Okay, I'll take back some talking sticks then. Yep. Well, ladies and gentlemen, a few years ago, I had a vision to be able to put America in your home. And I do that every Thursday at the show. I put together five amazing people who talked about topics that need to be talked about, should be talked about, and maybe some people don't want to deal with. But the voices deal with them every week. And I'd like to introduce the first lady of the group. In fact, she's the only lady of the group. I picked her out because she's a PKL champion, trained in Shonu Karate. Back in the day, she hang out with people like Peter Urban, trains down Kung Fu. And she'll be at the Legends this year and have a booth. And she'll also be teaching a special high key class for beginners and experts. With that said, my dear friend, who lives in North Carolina now, but is a Jersey girl, Auntie Karen Flacker. Karen, you there? Yes, I am. How are you? How are you, George? Uncle Gary? I'm great. Well, what a great show this has been. I mean, I've really enjoyed oh. <clears throat> listening to George tell the history, and it's been really a great show. But here we go. We've got a great question tonight from the voices. Okay, Karen. Uh, Karen, karate tournament. How would you make them more efficient and productive and improve them each year for the spectators and the competition? Okay. Uh, this touches my heart. I, I would love to say, because I, I gave about 10 uh, tournaments in my time, and I know, I know a lot what goes on in the background. But I would say pre-registration should be pretty much mandatory, and that would save on so much time in the, in the morning, and it would get people where they need to be. Uh, there would be no problem with people showing up with just checks, which happens so often. And uh, it, it just it, it makes sure they have the rules. The uh, school owners have a – you send out the rules. So if there's not a black belt meeting, you have a list of rules that come there. And people know before they come what you're going to expect from them. And I think that's very important. Uh, the next thing I would say is to ha- cut down these huge divisions. You, each t- uh, I know trophies are expensive. I know, but you should have enough invested in your trophies that you have extra to split divisions. I have sat and judged 70 children, white belts, and, uh, you know, from seven to to eight years old. Good Lord. You know, that has to be broken up. And they don't, they try not to because they don't have enough trophies or they don't want to spend the money for more trophies. So I think that's only fair. And the, uh, the third thing I would say, if I may, is that uh, tournament directors, when they're there, they should be there just for the tournament, not to have an old-time reunion with their friends. And they need to have arbitrators that listen and that are aware of some of the problems that go on. People complain 
or they won't come back because their kid got ripped off. This is the second time, this and that. They need to listen to these complaints and back investigate and see if people are doing the favoritism or the school, uh, you know, putting putting the wrong people together and then just you know, not not paying attention to when people are angry because you can lose a whole school uh, coming to a 10-year tournament if, if you don't follow up on complaints. Now, a lot of times they're afraid of making the judges mad because they don't have enough judges, and so they don't want to make them mad by accusing them of favoritism or anything. But if you're running a, a really fair event, then you have to go in there saying that we're friends, but today... I am asking for your help, and I need you to be spot on with your judging and not looking at the looking at your kid competing three rings over, and you're supposed yeah. to be judging that kind of thing. It has you have to crack the whip pretty much over your judges, even though we need their help. They still have to have an ethic, or it's not fair, and you lose people. Those are my three. Wise things. words, wise words, Karen. Well, take care of North Carolina. And God okay. bless you. Now we forward to October. And <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you for thank being you. who you are. Now, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Part of the voices is a man who he's off. He's off tonight. He'll be here next week. But I want to mention him. His name is James E. Moore. He's the writer for the museum webpage and also a personal advisor for the Sport Car Museum. We'll see him next week. Now, this next man, David, did you get on the line? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Super. Let me introduce you. This next man, I've known him since he was in Orangeville, when he was a young, young black belt also. And I watched him grow into a mature animal. <laughs> He won oh. the MVP, the Golden Greek Award, over five times. He has one of the largest karate studios in Houston, Texas. But now, ladies and gentlemen, he is the president of the AOK, the organization that we were talking with Mr. Minchu with. He runs the organization, and he's done some incredible things. He puts on the International Karate Tournament, which was last weekend. It was huge. But anyway, I got him on the air. He's one of the voices. David, you there? Yes, sir. Super, buddy. I got a good question tonight for you. Karate Tournament. How can you improve them? How can you make them better? For the spectators, for the competitors, what do you do every year? I know that you and I did something really crazy, but you did it longer than I did. We would give away bicycles to every first place winner. That's something that nobody's ever done. But what? Also, I know that you paid the judges cash. That's another thing I did when I did the Be Ready tournament. I don't know too many people have done that. Most people pay judges with pizza and a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, David, DE as we call you for short, how do you improve tournaments and competition each year for the judges, spectators, 
the parent, the fan. What do you do, buddy? First thing you need to do is have your tournament sanctioned by an organization that's going to push, enforce, go with the rules. That's why you want to be an organization that's going to have a vote that says, yes, these are the rules, and yes, we're going to follow these rules. Because sometimes if you have an individual that's doing it or a one heavy school that's doing it, sometimes it might change according to how they wish for it to be. But to have committees that's doing it, that's the first step. Put some organization in the rules. The second thing is you want to put some excitement in the tournament. Whether you give away bicycles, and and people can't afford that all the time. I did it for uh, for 17 years. Uh, But, you know, you got to be wise in how you're doing it. You know, get your ring sponsored. Do things that you can have finance so that you can give back. Uh, it's no, it's never a reason that you should have seventy uh, compete competitors in one division. Uh, again, our organization does not allow us to have more than twenty. It's automatically the computer automatically splits them. So Karen, Ms. Karen made a very valid point. Uh, so you want to have good competition. We took the division we had a bunch of nobles and white belts and dropped them down to this year. On this year, to only four per division. Now, we that was a whole lot of divisions, but everybody got first, second, third, or third because there was no belts and white belts, yellow belts. So we gave them that opportunity. But that was phenomenal. So all those kids, those parents, came there, won first, second, and third, received a true competition, and went home by 11 o'clock. So these are things that you got to do for timing, for excitement, for its organization, uh, for its good competition, to make a difference in regards to the judges, well, I gotta, I, you have to believe early. Yeah, I want to ask you something, buddy. Yeah, you're the president of the AOK. I just want to ask you: Are you nervous a little bit? You got the creator of the AOK on the, on the line, George Manchu. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was blessed that he was at my event and. He kind of graced me with some, some amazing things. And once again, he outdid himself because I would asked him to do a few things, and he went over the top in doing it. So I appreciate it because the foundation that he gave is what makes the organization strong, the ones that set that, set that, you know, that the list of rules and guidelines to follow. So without a doubt, uh, it makes me feel excited about having him here. Super. Well, D, thank you so much for being part of the voices. And sharing your wisdom a little bit. I'm going to move right along now. <clears throat> yes, sir. Part of the voices, I'm about to order. This man is the designer of the webpage that you can see by going to www.forkkaratemuseumarchives.com. He is also a 10th degree black belt, a real professor in the martial arts. He's an amazing man. But he also is the wisdom, part of the wisdom of the voices. And I want to bring him on right now. We call him Brother. Brother, are you there? Professor Stone. I am, Brother. I'm here. What a great show. What a great show. Now, fantastic. Show. How would you? How would you make a karate tournament more efficient and productive and improve them each year? 
for the spectators and for the competition, brother? Well, I'd have to say, first of all, that if uh, somebody was interested in improving what they have or starting something new, uh, li listening to this uh, broadcast and paying attention and taking notes from, you know, all the people that have talked about it, these are extremely high-quality, you know, observations, and they've paid the price for a lot of attempts and mistakes and, and improvements that uh, can really help those who want to improve or, or even start to be able to, you know, get on the right track and be able to do the right thing. So kudos to, you know, every every one of the, uh, the individuals that are doing tonight's show, especially Mr. Minshew. He's definitely got a track record and, um, you know, a hard hard thing to follow, but a great thing to aspire to. Um, yes, sir. You know, karate tournaments uh, are a vast topic spanning decades at this point. In the early 60s, many of the tournaments were about the opportunity just to provide competitors with an occasion to put themselves against a wider range of karateka to test their skills and upgrade their experience in sport combat. Many of the venues were high school gyms, uh, you know, donated uh, for their use, uh, cost-free spaces. Even uh, I know of a Japanese temple in L.A. during Nisei week that for years and years and years we were given the hall to be able to do the tournament in there. So, you know, there was a lot of different um, ways to actually break into it or to do it in a smaller scale. But that was over, you know, overdone way later than that, you know, by the internationals and so many other incredible things. I lived in Long Beach, California, so I was right there where the internationals started and started going to it on the, you know, at the second uh, year that the, the actual competition was held and therefore after that for, you know, decades. Um, there also seems to be a sense of fighting someone outside their own dojos, which would allow a more aggressive match, uh, perhaps, rather than being concerned about, you know, injuring a fellow dojo member, you know, back home. Um, and so there's that, that I ideal, too, that uh, is attractive to the tournament scene. Otherwise, dojo hopping uh, helped us to serve uh, that purpose until you might be invited not to return which uh, I did experience. To be fair, it was not always because I and my senior students were rough, but because sometimes it was the simple fact that I had the talent of breaking heavy bag uh, chains with my kicks, and uh, the people that had the dojos were not too uh, appreciative of that, and uh, we weren't invited back. But that's another story altogether. Generally, tournaments depend on volunteer assistance, in many cases, by uh, the black belts to judge the rings. This can be a challenge for small gatherings where the black belts are competing, judging, and coaching their students throughout the event. This can present a challenge for the tournament production team and require, uh, you know, a, uh, a group of trained cadre of officials well-versed in the rules and skilled arbitration. Pre-staging the majority of the registration has been mentioned and therefore reducing a great deal of event day confusion in getting the ring started on time and assigning the necessary officials prior to the start time is vital. Walkie-talkies uh, nowadays, communications, phones, whatever, uh, amongst a fly team of arbitrators can facilitate the rotation of referees to help the, the rings uh, remain fair and balanced and reduce conflicts of interest and ringside interference. Decades ago, I would receive various letters um, you know, for instance, uh, Ed Parker would send an invitation, um, you know, in the mail, a snail mail, with his handwritten signature on it, inviting myself and my students to attend. That was always a really neat thing back in those days, and we have a lot more opportunities nowadays. 
advertising was time-consuming and expensive back then, and the response was slow in coming. But with social media allowing us the fast and accurate advertising invitation and response, that really changes the, the scope of the possibilities. This is a great boon to the generation of tournament success, and things like QR codes and other quick responses, including various online pay methods, uh, cause the transactions to be secure and effective and uh, a lot more convenient and also, it draws the person, once they've committed themselves in that way, to make sure they make their te their appearance there. And, uh, you know, that's always a, a good motivating factor. All this requires invested bodies to execute all this in a timely manner and plenty of lead time to manage effectively. As to the spectators, a program that features a map of the rings and event schedule, uh, finals seating uh, chart is always a helpful thing. If there's a reseating process with an evening finals, uh, intermission can be helpful using a QR code which includes the information on this event website page might be helpful for the spectators and reduce confusion in the aisles prior to the reopening especially for late arrivals uh, if they have a nighttime event um, include a timetable of the the festivities and the list of vendors in attendance who would in turn add production revenue and with strategic signage throughout the venue area this QR code, which would give access to a lot of that information on anybody's phone while they're there, would make everything easier to find and uh, easier to stay on schedule, like our event, uh, so as not to miss oh, something if we take an app. We're going to introduce that this year, correct, Tom? Yes, actually, I'm going to talk about that for a few moments uh, when we go to the uh, commercial break uh, in a bit. The competition rules okay. could also be posted uh, on the event website as well to inform. Uh, the uniform visitor or confirm the competitor's questions about the tournament rules and judgments before time and know what they can practice and what they can expect when they arrive, which could be uh, also a big uh, helpful thing. Um, you know, it's come away from the back days when you had three or four ring junior high, uh, you know, gymnasium back in the 60s yeah. to, to try and do your thing or a large school that maybe would just have the neighborhood schools come and, and participate. Um, like so much of Karate Day, they have big business showcasing the art uh, that we all love, and that's a fantastic opportunity to, for us to be able to be out there and see what's going on. Uh, you know, uh, Mr. Menchu's events, uh, Dee's event recently are all great examples of that. Uh, and of course, we have a page that will help with that uh, for those that want to take advantage of it in contacting you. Let's just all meet at the, the classic Titans of Karate and snuggle in with our seats with our refreshments and cheer on our favorites and continue to do what we love most, getting out there and there doing go. Karate. Thank you. Thank you. I return the yeah. before, <laughs> before I introduce the great Gary Smith, short commercial bike problem, give the talking stick back over to Wolverine <laughs> so he can introduce uh, what we're going to do. Wolverine? Yes, sir. Well, yeah, Professor, once again, it's a great show. Um, so right now what we'd like to do, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to hit the sirens just to make sure we get everybody's attention real good. And we're going to move on to our commercial break where we can talk about the things that the upcoming events and, and how to navigate uh, the web page uh, that Professor Spellman has put up. So, I'll give you the talking stick, Professor, and you can bring back on Mr. Spellman and uh, whoever else you have that you want to talk to during our commercial break. So it's back to you, sir. Well, we've got, we got 
two major sponsors, SETVR and the U.S. Martial Arts Film Festival. But before we talk about those two incredible events, I got to bring back Professor Tom Spellman. This guy is, again, amazing. He has taken my vision of the Sport Crime Museum and it's put it into a virtual world on the webpage. I'll even explain it. He's so cool. Tom, explain to people what you've done, buddy. Well, you know, the the Sport Karate Museum Archives dot uh, com page has a vast array of material. We're trying to make uh, sure that any and all things uh, karate are available to, uh, as a resource, available to the History Generals and anyone else that wants to have a one place to go to be able to get uh, updated on things, learn about history, and so on. We have a page on there uh, for various different uh, uh, events and things that we will be talking about uh, with you personally about going into more detail. One of them, of course, is uh, uh, Set VR, the Set VR page itself. It has a button that will take you directly to their website so that you can uh, you know, visit it and engage with it and have a lot of opportunity to really, really enjoy the possibility and then go ahead and sign up and be able to take advantage of it. We have a coming events page that has uh, right now the U.S. Action Martial Arts Film Festival on October 19th through uh, the 22nd, uh, and um, we'll be talking about that, and I think we've got one of the, the representatives of that. We have, of course, the treasures of uh, the uh, uh, Sport Collecting Museum page, and uh, we've put, recently put up some new things on there, and I'll be putting some more up in short order. So we'll continue to be able to show all the wonderful things that you've been entrusted with and the museum is, is uh, protecting and preserving for the future of our art uh, here in the United States and for anyone in the world. They can go right to the page and they can see it. They don't have to come to Sugarland just to see it. We also have uh, the House of uh, Japan, Okinawa, Korea, and of course China and America. I'm going to be updating and expanding the, the Japanese house. I'll be doing another page in the Okinawan house about going global with the arts. I'm uh, in the process of finishing the first installment for the Korean uh, page coming up in short order as we go into the summer. And then we'll be getting into the China and Americans page, including the kickboxing in America. And then the other thing that's really important that I'll, I'll end with is uh, what I talked about a little while ago, we're going to be for our event, the Legends event, coming up in October, we are going to or I'm going to create a QR code that people can, when they're going through the event, they can click on their phone, they can take it in and have access, and they can find there things like a, a full schedule of the event so they won't miss anything that they're really interested in doing, uh, a map of the venue, and uh, basically, uh, we'll put up a map uh, of the uh, vendors so you can find what you want in a quick manner and be able to get every get to everywhere you want to go. And then we'll have strategic uh, uh, easels around with the QR code so that you'll be able to find a way to be able to have access to all that information from your phone as you're walking around, which could really change everybody's enjoyment and really take the pressure down for everybody trying to remember where, where they left their schedule or, you know, or whatever. Super. So there you have it. Well, uh, and then, you know, just go to the page. 
www.sportskaratemuseumarchives.com and just enjoy the drop-down menu. And if you're using a phone, it's a smaller appearance. So up on the upper left-hand corner, there's a, a four-line little graphic that if you click on that, you will drop down the menu and make it easy for you to navigate through the site. Well, thank you, Tom. And I hand the stick thank back you. to thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank You're you. welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Professor Tom Selman. Now, I want to talk about our first sponsor. This is amazing. It really is. We've been involved with this for almost, well, I've been involved with almost 20 years. But, but for the past few years, I put these people in Atlantic City, Texas, California, South Carolina, introducing virtual reality and the history general portal. Now, I have one of the co-inventors on the show tonight, and he's going to explain to you exactly what SETVR is, and I'm excited about sharing with you the core group. With that said, the co-inventor of SETVR, self-defense enhanced training in virtual reality, doctor, a real medical doctor, ladies and gentlemen, the man to save lives. He's also a ninth degree black belt underneath the Sport Card Museum. Dr. Reginald Lee. Dr. Lee, are you there, sir? Good evening, sir. Thank you for the nice introduction. Thank you so much. Wow. This is a this is a bar burger of a show. I'm really enjoying it. But tell people exactly what that VR is <clears throat> and the depth of what you've done. Go ahead, sir. Yes. Imagine yourself wanting to continue to practice your skills anytime, anywhere, when you want to practice your skills in self-defense, even when you travel. Well, with an Oculus Rift or Oculus Quest headset, you can sync this headset to your phone, go to the Oculus App Lab store, acquire the set VR application, place the application onto your headset, place the headset into your travel bag, and take it where you travel, and you can just do as that with the set VR application. You can also see a demonstration of this application on Professor Gary Lee's Sports Karate website museum. You can also see this demonstration on Dr. Um, uh, on, on the uh, Hall of Fame, United States Hall of Fame website, um, on, the, on their website. But this is an amazing program we want you to uh, see with us. With the SETVR Self-Defense Enhancement Training uh, Virtuality Program, you will be not outside looking into our program. With SETVR, you'll be actually be immersed into a simulation program, a simulation program whereby a hologram will attack you when you least expect it with sudden and random attacks. Just like the military has a simulation program, the police department has their simulation program, think of this as a simulation program for martial artists for self-defense. We've chosen a dark alleyway whereby bad things usually happen. A hologram will suddenly appear, get into your personal space prior to this attack, and create what's called an adrenaline effect. During this adrenaline surge, the fight or flight mode, one would normally have a momentary pause whereby one would lo normally lose 35, 40, even 50% of what they've been taught, and whereby using muscle memory or reflex response will be your only and best recourse to neutralize and engage the threat. Um, as I mentioned, you can see a demonstration of this 
or on Trusty Garley's website or in the United States Hall of Fame um, with, with Dr. John Terry. Uh, as a metaphor, placing your hand on the hot stove, it develops a reflex response. And this is what we want to incorporate into this program of how you to neutralize the attack without hesitation, without freezing, moving towards the attack and neutralize as quickly as possible. The program also is a program where you can practice the art of movement. As you can know, as martial artists, um, if an attack comes, whether it's a car or truck or train as a metaphor, the important thing is to move away from the attack. The important thing is not to stand in front of the attack by moving angular, linear, and circular. I use this program myself to practice the art of Thai Sabaki, to place you in the positionalization or just to avoid the attack. This is an amazing program that I've been using for myself and some of my colleagues and even some of the um, people on your show. Um, example, A.J. Curry is an example who uses this program and has been using utilizing the program ever since um, as I've spoken to him in the past. Uh, with the Oculus Quest headset or the Oculus Rift headset, you'll be transported into a virtual reality platform whereby a hologram will confront and attack you when you least expect it. The, the goal of this program is to neutralize the attack that is sudden and unpredictable and random, to practice to improve your skills in invasion through angular, linear, and circular movements, to avoid and place you in an opportunity position of advance to, of neutralization as you practice to improve your skills in timing, speed, accuracy, and my goal is to develop muscle memory and a reflex response, just like placing your hand on a hot stove, having a reflex as a metaphor. This is a platform where you can continue to utilize what you've been taught and caught is informed on an application program against a stimulus or threat that is random and an attack to practice anytime, anywhere, when you want. If I and SetVR can instill into you a reflex response to neutralize without hesitation a threat to save your life during an adrenaline surge, we believe SetVR has done its job. This program, we've implemented a program of mindfulness. We'll show you how to stretch in this program. We'll show you meditation exercises, and we will also present you with your own personal yoga instructor. How neat is that? Um, so please continue to visit our, uh, us at our website at setvr.app. That's S-E-T-V-R.app. We continue to be proud to endorse Professor Gary Lee and the Sports Karate Museum to be the future platform of his vision of the Sports Karate Museum and virtuality with SetVR, which we have introduced to Gary Lee as the Wisdom Warrior at the History Portal. But before meeting the Wisdom Warrior, war, one must neutralize the hostage at the gate of the history portal and then brought back into the courtyard to meet the core history With that being said, Professor Gary, some few words about your vision of the Sports Karate Museum and virtual reality with set VR. From the last show, did you find that recliner and find that glass of sake and sit down and relax? Yeah, did you do yes, that? Yes, I did. I did. I did. Good, I good, did that. Good. Thank well, you. the vision Thank I you. had is very simple. Education. And what we're going to do, we're going to start with a core group. And that core group, in not any particular order, is Judge Roy Kerman, the guy that brought the two-point kick to America. Mr. George Minshew, the man that brought the first gold ring to open competition. Chris Minshew, a world champion in Point Karate. Mr. Mike Dillard, the owner of Black Belt Magazine and Century Martial Arts Supply, the largest manufacturer of martial art equipment in the world. These four people are the core group 
where right now you can go and look at their profile. And then every month, whatever the developers can do, we're going to add a new history journal. So eventually, all the history journals, their profile, their history, will be there. And you've earned the right to learn about them by beating up the hologram. Reggie, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for educating people. We appreciate you so much. Ladies thank you so for being a part of this amazing story. Thank you for being thank for you. me having been part of the amazing show. Thank you. Thank you. Now, the other person that we endorse big time is the United States Martial Art Film Festival, which will be in Scottsdale, Arizona, the 19th through the 22nd. A couple of my friends are going to be there. Don the Dragon Wilson, Cynthia Rothrock, Rick Avery, Art Camacho, Eric Lee, Ron Hall, Choo Choo Lee, just name a few. But I've got the co-producer on the show. Maybe add a little bit more what's going to happen. Now, we are being sponsored by them. For every four-day pass, that you put SKM on, they're going to make a to the museum. So with that said, I'd like to bring Cure on. Cure, are you there, buddy? Yes, I am. Professor Gear, how are you today? I hope you enjoy enjoying the show, Cure. I'm doing great, buddy. Now, I talked a little about what you're doing. Can you add a little bit more what you're doing, sir? No doubt. We're going to be having a great lineup of, as, as you mentioned, incredible martial arts talent, um, basically legends for the most part, and uh, also a fantastic lineup of films, about 50 films ranging from, uh, of course, the 50th anniversary screening of End of the Dragon and the rest of the Bruce Lee catalog um, down to uh, Black Bill Jones to the Black Dragon, Rob Van Cleef's uh, first film. All the way up to Crossing Tiger, Hidden Dragon. We have just a plethora of films that we think will cover the fancy of any martial arts aficionado. Uh, there'll also be panels and demonstrations and, um, you know, people like yourself with your sports karate museum paraphernalia. So we're very excited. And I also want to say, you know, we're very happy to be a part of not only the Sports Karate Museum, but this broadcast, which is always so entertaining and enlightening for those of us who are still learning more about martial arts history. Well, thank you so much, here, And we thank you for allowing... Well, you know what? i got to blame Eric Lee. My buddy Eric Lee introduced me to Leo Ramos, your partner. And I got fired up about all my friends are going to be there and you supporting the history. So we're very excited every week into October, which, by the way, you're going to be at the Super Vendor Show. And that's been really cool. You're incredibly big in October. (laughs) But, yeah. Anyway, God bless you here. And we'll see you in October, buddy, okay? Looking forward to it. Thank you. Super. With that said, I'd like to turn over the talking stick. 
back over to Wolverine, and introduce the last person of the voices, Gary Smith. Wolverine, here's the talking thing, buddy. Well, you know, you hear the saying, say the best for last. Well, I don't really can't do that because all five voices are the best. This man does stand out. He worked at Blackbow Magazine when the likes of Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris and Joe Bullis walked the walls, walked the halls. I'm sorry, not walls, halls. <laughs> but he is also a protege of the great Joe Lewis. In fact, at Jonathan Timidaz Rose, this man gave me the belt that Joe Lewis gave him that hangs in the museum. He also is the founder, co-founder, along with Cliff Stewart, rest in peace, Dr. Ron Chappelle, and himself, created the BKS, better known as the Black Karate Federation. He is now the president of the BKF, a mentor, a advisor for the Sport Karate Museum, someone I talk to three or four times a week other than the show because he's a fighter. He's a trainer. He is one of the best fighters we had in the 60s. In fact, he was so proficient, the Tracy organization, Al Tracy and Jim Tracy, gave him a school on the East Coast. So he really was the best of both worlds, the West Coast, the East Coast. As far as I know, he's probably the only man to beat Vinny Akitas three times. <laughs> but I love this man. He is such a dear friend and a mentor. That said, call him Uncle Jerry because in Hawaii, when you say uncle, he's family, and he is. He is Ohana, but you know him as the great Jerry Smith. Uncle Jerry? Uncle Jerry? Uncle Jerry, after that introduction, you leave me hanging. Where you at? You want to call him directly? Hold on a minute. I'll give you a give you direct number. Hold on a minute. Take just a second. He probably got impatient. He didn't realize I was going to save him for last. Uh, here we go. Here's his direct number. Well, here's the direct number, honey. 408-966-2944. Go ahead and give him a call. He probably got disconnected. I know he had a new phone. So, anyway, 408-966-2944. And, Tom, are you there, sir? Tom, are you there? 
Yeah, Gary, I've already sent a, sent Jerry a um, uh, text. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you, Tom, when you yeah. do the when you doing the uh, the web page in general, what was your what's your vision to make it better? What did you decide to make it better while waiting on Uncle Jerry? Well, I want I, you know first of all, I want to make it a resource for all of our listeners, all of our uh, Ohana, you know, the history generals, and all the other people that are looking to find out more about reliable and historically accurate material about our art and uh, people that formed it in the United States and where it came from before it got here and all kinds of things. And at the same time, you know, sharing with all the riches that uh, the History General uniquely has, like the huge collection of memorabilia from uh, the history here in the United States from the people that made the history themselves. And those kinds of things, you know, so that people can be educated and they can be inspired uh, to be able to realize that, you know, it all started with imagination and a passion for the things they love best, which was karate. And so, that you know, anybody and everybody can go ahead and identify with that and certainly go ahead and do it. And we're going to try and make it as easy as possible for them to have all the tools that they need, including information about events that are going on so they can attend them in their, you know, their, their nearest place or, you know, make a special event, you know, like uh, our October Legends event, you know, uh, something that they, you know, save up for and they focus on to be able to go there because it has so much to offer in one place at one time. And um, it's a great opportunity. So all these different things is what we're trying to achieve with this. And I'm also listening to and paying attention to, you know, the people that come on what they say, what they what they share, and the impact that those things that they say and share make, and making sure that if there's any way that I can go ahead and and extend it into somewhere in our our, um, our uh, webpage, then we can go ahead and make sure that that information uh, doesn't disappear in in the ethers of uh, the uh, the radio broadcast alone. And uh, that people who may not be writing things down and everything like that, like I have a tendency to do, will uh, will have a, a recourse to be able to have that information available to them again and again until they get a chance to really, really deep dive it and understand where it is, what it is, and how it affects them and how it will affect the generations to come. Thank you. Tom, will you do me a favor and call Uncle Jerry and, and get him back on the air, please? And let him- because I, you know, I didn't, I don't think he realized he was going to be the last part of the voice. Well, I went, I, 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 I did send him a text, but I haven't heard back from him. So I'll try and reach out to him. Um, I'll get off, I'll get off here now, though, to do that. Okay. Super, super. Okay, Wolverine, are you there, buddy? Yep, right here, sir. Okay, did Uncle Jerry call back? Uh, no, no, sir, he has not. Okay, we sent a message to him. Okay, I'm gonna go get. Uh, Cousin Eddie, okay? Roger that. This is Jerry, Uncle Jerry calls back, or Uncle Tom, or Tom calls back. Yeah, let me know, okay? Let me go get Cousin Eddie. Hey, Cousin Eddie! Eddie, where'd he go? Is he out back? Okay. Can you go see if he's out back, please? Yeah. Okay. Tell me to go get him. 
He he had a girlfriend last week, so you know he may be. He may yeah, be girlfriend ended up again. He's a character. Hey, Wolverine, I'm here. How you doing, buddy? Hey, hey, cousin Eddie, how you doing? Well, I've been waiting to talk to you about this subject tonight, man. Are you ready? You oh yeah. <laughs> Idiot. Idiot. It's what karate circles. It's me, 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 me. Who cares? Wolverine. Who cares? Yep. That's that's it. I mean, you know, you have a lot of people that are like that that you know, only want to talk about their self, and, uh, you know, they feel like that everything about it is about them. And that's why I say the ego, the ego in the uh, sport karate, that's the that's that's what I'm saying, that, that ego, that gets them. And that's how come these events are able to sell so many tickets when they want to uh, sell books and things of that nature. Um, you know, they're, they're having to uh, do that. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that that ego gets you, and that that puts people into that me 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 category, wanting to just talk about them. They don't want to hear anything about anybody else, and that's unfortunate. But that's that's what happens. Well, you, I don't like egos. I don't deal with them very well. But yeah, no, me. They're idiots. Me me yep. me 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 me. I'm so sick of them. Yep. No. That that well, is true. You know, that, we can we, we just need to protect the history, you know. You oh, don't yeah. mind, Wolverine? I gotta go back. I do have a girlfriend tonight. I gotta go okay. back. Okay, okay, cousin I'll Eddie. Thank you, Wolverine. Thank you, Wolverine. Right. You're very welcome. All right, bye, cousin Eddie. Hey, did, did uh, Uncle Jerry call back yet? Uh, no, not yet. Okay, well, Wolverine, this has been an interesting show. As Tom Feller said, to make the tournaments better, there's so much to do, and to listen to a show like this, you got to be, well, you got to listen, I guess, and if you do listen, if you want to be a tournament promoter, you've learned a lot. So, I'm going to go ahead and do the Legends name game and hope Uncle Jerry calls back because I know he got, you know, probably his phone messed up or something. But anyway, Mr. Minshew, George, you're on the line, sir. Yes, I am. I am a patient guy. Yes, you are. Well, you know, the neat thing about the Wolverine Nation and the Legends show, you know, we have, there's not really a, a major time limit and it's a little bit longer than people are used to, but a lot of information. So with that said, we're going to play the Legends name game. I'm going to hit you with a name and you get to talk about them for about two minutes. I want to hit you with a few names. So let's keep it short, two minutes each. Here we go. The first name, the great J-Pat Burleson. Oh, gee, you started with the, the big part of my life. Uh, Pat Burles and I became friends, really, before he became my mentor, my teacher. Uh, and 
to to be able to to hang out with the first national karate champion and a guy that was that was uh so humble in person and if you talk to him uh you know you would just never know that danger lies just a little little far away and i've i've seen that i've seen that turn on uh, in the many times that he and i were out and probably out in in places we shouldn't be drinking things we shouldn't drink so much of and uh i had seen uh uh that side and he is he is a a force of nature for sure chuck norris chuck norris is one of those rare individuals that what you see is what you get uh, he is he is always always a gentleman he he treats everybody uh the same whether you're whether you're a king or a peasant and uh, his his skill level when he was competing was just phenomenal because i mean i watched the guy fight we worked out he and i and and pat burleson and bob wall and uh, all those things and and uh, uh his skill level is incredible uh, just just to just to see him fight some of the, some of the people that i thought were just awesome and he was able to come out on top time and time and time again. Chris Minshew. The most uh, the most beautiful, the intelligent, uh uh smart, uh caring, lovely wife, mother and grandmother now. Um that has ever graced a karate uniform. I got one more for you, and he's a he's an incredible young man. He's younger than us. That's why I say young. Jamie yeah. Cashin. Jamie Cashin, uh, a story in itself. His his story is is one that that everyone should believe. A story of courage and perseverance and overcoming, uh, and a, another one of those people who just never meets a stranger. I mean, uh, he he probably has more friends and in his network of friends than than anybody I know. I mean, he's just incredible in that way, and he has so many talents in so many ways. And I'm I'm just uh, I'm just thankful that uh, that he get he is part of my life. Yes, sir. Part of my life too. God bless. Yes, well, he is. thank you for being on the show tonight, Mr. Minchu. And you know what? You are my time now. I got I to do a shout-out. He's Pet Brothers for the call. He has one of the biggest tournaments this weekend at the West Chase Marriott of Texas Black. So we wish him very much luck on that. And we miss James E. Moore. And we're sorry that Uncle Jerry got kicked off. You didn't get back in on by chance, Jerry. Tom, did you reach uh, out to him? Well, Tom had to get off to uh, call uh, Mr. Smith. So okay. Neither one of them's back on. 
Okay. Well, you know, Wolverine, this has really been an incredible presentation of knowledge. And I appreciate the Wolverine Nation, the voices, the the amazing, well, the amazing golly bum, the people that sponsor us. We really appreciate that we are and course the U.S. Martial Arts Film Festival and you're doing an amazing job you and your technicians and we thank you for doing this and we look forward oh, to you're very welcome and shakers that we'll be putting on the air and thank you Wolverine thank you Mr. <laughs> Minshew thank you everybody Wolverine. and thank you Gary well thank you Mr. Minshew you know you're my hero. You always have been, and especially now that I'm an old man. <laughs> but you know what? I'm like you. I'm 69 years young. You're 80. Forever. Years. Yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, together, we'll make, we'll keep the history alive and teach people this generation of where it all started. And again, thank you, Wolverine. 